This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. everyone and welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one podcast all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. And this week, it's our Golden Week Spectacular. Golden Week has passed, but not on this podcast because we are going to be talking about a whole lot of shows, diving deep, deep, deep into shows from Tokyo Joshi, Stardom, Seedling, Oz Academy, and many, many more my name is Taylor, and I am joined for this spectacular episode, as always, by Kelly. Kelly, get pumped for the Golden Week Spectacular. I'm excited. I am dipping my hands in molten gold so I can have the golden power to continue to talk about Joshi Wrestling this week. And we got a lot to talk about. We watched a lot of shows this week. That we're going to talk about all of them. Joshi shows and also some shows that I think most people would probably not consider Joshi shows. But had Joshi matches on them. We're going to talk about those as well. We sure are. I'm I'm hyped. I've watched too much wrestling over the past two weeks. And I'm ready to talk about it. So we are going to jump right into it. Uh, the order of these shows that we talk about. They're really in no specific order. They're in sort of the order that I thought of them as... I was putting together the notes, but the first show that we are going to talk about is the Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall show, Yes Wonderland 2022, from May 3rd, I almost said March 3rd, at Corrigan Hall in front of 695 fans. They said on commentary that was a sellout, uh, and I have lost complete track of (laughs) what the capacity of Korokin Hall is. Uh, I know that some shows have... uh, Stardom, the Joshi 60th anniversary show, did 1,100, but I don't really know what the rules are. So it doesn't matter. Kelly, what would you think of this show? Uh, Before we go into that, Taylor, do you want to hear a really bad joke? Oh, gosh. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Wonderland is the first rule in improv comedy. Wow. Well, you delivered what you promised, which was a bad joke. Yep. (laughs) How long have you been waiting to tell that joke? Literally 30 seconds. It just popped into my head. Oh, wow. As we were starting this. And I was like, I was sitting here with him like, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. I bet you didn't expect when I promised a spectacular episode that you would also be getting spectacular jokes. Uh, weird improv comedy bits as part of this uh but anyway kelly besides the great title of the show which lends itself to your brilliant humor what do you think of the show i like this show a lot uh the 
It was a bunch of cool matches. I again, I love uh, Tokyo Joshi Kurikins. They're always super fun, and uh, you just had some really cool matches. I was this might have been one of my favorite shows of this whole week, and that covers a whole lot. <laughs> Starting off with a bang, I also really enjoyed the show. There was one match which we'll talk about in a second that I really loved, uh, but overall, I thought it was a really fun show. I thought it was pretty varied actually it had you know some singles had some tags some multi-person matches starting off in the way that we joked we didn't get to talk about this on the podcast (laughs) the way that we joked about with the Gabe Sapolsky special starting off with the princess tag team title match between the magical sugar rabbits and free wi-fi which was an exciting way to start the show the Magical Sugar Rabbits retaining their titles, defeating Free Wi-Fi in 13 minutes and 53 seconds. Kelly, I have a lot to say about this match, so I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, I think they should keep doing show openers like this, because this match brought an energy to the rest of the show, and especially to the crowd that was really good. Like I think instead of just having random tag matches like i don't know start off with something important like the crowd was audibly excited and like way into this match more so than you would ever normally get with an opener and i think that excitement let just stayed around for the rest of the show so this might be something that they might consider doing and kind of step away from like the traditional way of structuring japanese wrestling shows i mean it certainly helps that you have maybe the best tag team in the company currently, maybe in the entire company history in as half of the match and, a, and yeah. a strong other half of the match as well certainly helped, but I love this match. I yeah. thought it was amazing. I really loved that. There was, you know, it's funny because in my notes I wrote, there was a great clear heel face dynamic, which there often is not in Tokyo Joshi. We've talked about that on the podcast before, but it was funny because it was like free Wi-Fi were the heels because they were doing, you know, the removing of the turnbuckle, that stuff. But magical sugar rabbits were wrestling really with a with an attitude. I wrote in my notes, magical sugar rabbits. This is my exact note. Magical sugar rabbits are tough mofos. <laughs> Fight like crazy. I really like how just Yuka just gets really pissed off at these young kids. And they're taking off the turnbuckles and is going to teach them a lesson. And she was bot and she, the body slam she was doing were like, really like, wham. I was yeah. like, wow, this is really great. Uh, Noah hit a great, uh, Hikari Noah hit a great double stomp on Mizuki during the match. And then Mizuki got hit with that avalanche blizzard suplex where I thought she was just going to injure herself. Yeah. That looks nuts. Um, but I thought it was great. There was, you know, a hot, very high energy, as you said. Um, and it felt very different than a lot of the sort of bigger Tokyo Joshi matches. I thought it was amazing. I went four and a half stars, which I know is like way above. What Kelly, what would you what did you give it? I went four and a quarter. Oh, OK, I was just a bit below you. So you weren't that off. I think I saw another review, maybe the written uh, review on Voices of Wrestling, I think, went three and a half. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, out to lunch on this. But I just thought it was excellent. I thought it was an amazing start to the show. Yeah. Um, 
and one to definitely, I mean, my match of the night without giving anything away. This was my for sure pretty easy match of the night. And then Yuka got on a plane instantly. <laughs> well, not instantly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Not instantly because the next match was a three minute exhibition match between Reika Saiki and Arisa Endo, which ended shockingly in a three minute time limit draw. Uh, and then uh, Reika Saiki had sort of her retirement ceremony, I guess you would say. And Yuka was there. I was sort of shocked to see Yuka figuring yeah. they would have been like, get out of here, <laughs> you know, get on the plane, go, go, go. Um, I mean, for three minutes, I thought it was a pretty dramatic match. I thought it was like fairly enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, no, this was really good. It's and also like- one of those things where I'm like, ah, what a missed opportunity with Reika Psyche now that this promotion is, you know, sort of moved in a different direction than when she left. And like she comes out and I'm like, man, she looks like a million bucks. She looks so great. She's a good wrestler. Yeah, she hasn't lost a step in her time off. And so watching, I was like, well, this is sort of a bummer because she'd probably be a really valuable, you know, she came back. Yeah, she'd be very valuable, but, you know, wants to go off and do other things. So it was good to see her one last time. A good showing for Endo as well, even Mm -hmm. though it was only three minutes. Yeah, the whole retirement ceremony was super sweet. Like, I I, re- I didn't realize the connection between these two until I was like, oh, yeah, Wrestle 1. Never forget Wrestle 1, Kelly. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'd, complete, I'd forgotten that Endo was, like, on the Wrestle 1 dance team or whatever they were called. So it's like, oh, okay, this that's the connection between the two. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, it was a good moment. I, I gave the match three and a half stars. I really liked it. Oh, I didn't even give it a star rating because I'm like, uh, three, you know, three minutes. Exhibi- yeah. Technically an exhibition match, which I never really just say like. It's a it's a three minute long match. Yeah. Like, oh, it's an exhibition match as if like Endo would beat Reika Psyche and they would be like, well, but it doesn't count. <laughs> but it's like, but she lost or she, you know, did did a time limit draw. Yeah. Um. The next match was a tag team match, our second tag team match of the night. Mahiro Kiryu and Yuki Kamafuku defeating Haruna Neko and Kaya Torabami in 10 minutes and 9 seconds. I have one note for this match that I made, and my note says it was a match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like these teams. Like I like them, these two groupings of people together like i think kiryu is probably at her best when she's teaming with camille for whatever reason like i don't know why but she just brings out the best in her and it's fun to have a cat and a bird on the same team the next match was our first official singles match of the evening it was suzume defeating juria nagano in five minutes and 46 seconds I thought this was a good match. Juria still looks very cool. And even though she lost in this one, I thought she looked good and she got a good amount of offense. Yeah, no, I thought this was really cool. Um, This might be like my favorite Suzume singles performance that I've seen. She was really, really good here. And Juria's still, I, I still like that she has her distinct style. And I've said before, I really hope it doesn't like homogenize into your typical just wrestler but with some karate stuff in there you know what watching her reminded me of 
that what? time you and I watched Sushi just get his <laughs> ass beat at uh, a hard hit show where there was a karate exhibition. A legitimate karate exhibition, which did not end well. <laughs> Every time I see Jerry like, just punch someone in the stomach, I just think of that. And just watching this poor man keep getting up <laughs> and trying his hardest. The good news is I think they are going to let her keep this offense. She is, uh, we won't go too much into this now, but they did announce the Cyber Fight Festival matches for Tokyo for all the companies, but Tokyo Joshi in particular. And Juria will be teaming with Miyu Yamashita in a six-person tag on that show. So that's hopeful that they're sort of teaming her with the person who I would say her offense is sort of most closely related to yeah yeah no that's a that's a good pairing and on a sort of show that's represented a representative of like here's what our company is all about yeah um so that's a good sign she continues to impress me yep um and interested to see where she goes yeah uh, i went uh three and a half on that one yeah i probably would have been uh around the same um, the next match was our first six-person tag team match. Miyu Watanabe, Rika Tatsumi, and Yuki Arai defeating Palm Harajuku Raku and Yuki Aino in 13 minutes and 41 seconds. I was a big fan of the Palm to Justice into the backbreaker during the match, and I thought that this match had a nice, hot little finish to it. Uh, you know, one fairly established, a pretty good team with me, Rika, and Yuki. But also, we've talked about, uh, we had a brief discussion in the Discord this week about this, sort of Palm Harajuku, Raku, certainly the two of them representative of this sort of intriguing uh, undercard that Tokyo Joshi has going on. Yeah, I thought this was like a shockingly high effort random mid card tag match. Like I thought this was a good match. Uh, another three and a half star match for me. Like I would be interested to see. I don't know if this is. I don't know what the plan is, and I have a feeling that Ito. Now that Ito has the belt, it's probably going to be a little bit more wide than Tokyo Joshi. But like, I would like to see Palm get a you know, international princess title shot. I think that yeah. would be interesting just to see, you know, what would happen. I feel like she hasn't really gotten many, if any opportunities to sort of show herself in a one-on-one situation, certainly not recently. So that would be something I'm interested in, but I don't know if that's the direction uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. I don't know if that's the direction where Tokyo Joshi's going with that belt anymore. Yeah, because, yeah, I really can't think of, hell, the last time I saw her, she had, uh, has she ever had any title matches? I'm going through a cage match now to see, and it doesn't really look like it. I mean, I would assume the next time we would see it would be the Tokyo Princess. Yeah. Cup. Yeah, I don't no, think I don't she's think... had any title matches. No. So, yeah, no, that would be a good place to... I think she would be a good title contender. 
The semi-main of this show was a tag team match. Big match, one to one million, the team of Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita defeating the team of Moka Miyamoto and returning from AEW. Well, maybe returning is not the right word. Re, uh, back again from AEW? I don't know. Uh, Hikaru Shida uh, and one to one million winning in 15 minutes and two seconds. I thought this was a fun match. I went three and a half stars. I thought Mocha did very well. She sort of held her own in this tag with three other big hitters. My one complaint about this match, and this was probably deliberate, but not enough Shida and Yamashita. Yeah. I, I think they're they're holding stuff back. Like, I think they've got some matches planned. Because uh, I, I noted this in, in my notes. Like, I think any match that they've set up here for Shida is far more interesting than anything she has waiting for her back in AEW right now. Uh, I big match Mocha definitely showed up. Like she did a great job here, uh, and yeah, I mean Shida versus Maki Ito and Yamashita, like that's two money matches right there. Like so, you keep those in the chamber for the next time you need to do like a sumo hall show or something. There was also the tease a couple months ago of doing the big rematch of Shida and Aja Kong. That's right. That sort of hasn't been discussed i don't know if it was just sort of a moment to be like "Ooh, interesting or if they were trying to set something up but that was i do remember seeing that and being like oh um Sheeta causing a bit of controversy this week by announcing she wasn't she is not injured as they claim on aew television that was ridiculous it's just like why are you saying she's injured when you just go on look at her Twitter and see she's been wrestling. Like, come on, you can't do that in this day and age. I just thought, and then she came out and she was like, ah, it's all a misunderstanding. I'm like, uh Oh, Tony Khan sliding in the DMS. Yeah. Like be quiet. I don't know. She did stay in Japan. They don't make your job to Serena Deeb there. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. I also was thinking, Mostly as I was watching sort of all these different shows this week, I'm like, I wish they would do another um, tournament. Yeah, that was cool. Because I'm like, now there's a lot of like really interesting people. Like I was thinking of like, um, like Suzu Suzuki would be really interesting. I'm like, oh, that would be interesting. Or like Saki would be interesting. Like there's sort of a whole new. Like, I think last year when they ran the tournament, like, uh, Takumi Aroha was injured. I think that's when she was still injured. So it's like she would be available. Yeah. You know, in, you know, the basics. I don't know what the politics of it are. But I'm like, you could do almost an entirely different field that would still be really good. Um, I don't know if they have any interest in doing that tournament again. I feel like it was easy, like, content for them. Oh, yeah is a thing you just rent out the ice ribbon dojo for two days and you film it and then it's done. Uh, but who knows? Maybe yeah, just, we'll never see it again. Just do an AEW Joshi title. So they never have to come over and interact with the rest of the division. That isn't very good. Now that's an idea. <laughs> uh, just create AEW Japan. We were all very nervous about, NXT Japan, AEW Japan, which will just be a Joshi promotion. Yeah. A Joshi promotion 
that Tony Khan should let me book. Yes. Uh, most importantly. Yes. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we're, get, we're getting away from this show. Uh, and the main event of this show was the Princess of Princess title match. Shoko Nakajima, the champion, retaining her title against Hyper Masao. Kelly, what do you think of the main event of this show? Uh, I think it didn't reach the heights of the opener, but it was still a really, really good match. Uh, the highlight for me had to be Masao's attacks on Nakajima's shoulder. Because like she's got to be double jointed. I don't know, but like it, her shoulder looked fucked. <laughs> like it did not look right. I don't know how they did that, but like the that whole limb work section was really well done. Uh, the only thing that I didn't care for was I felt the ending was a little anticlimactic. I think I don't know the the senton just doesn't work as a finisher for me. Sometimes sometimes it works. I don't think I don't feel like it did here uh but overall really good match i went uh three and three quarters i thought this match was fine like i probably would have been three and a half maybe there's just something about shoko nakajima that has never really connected with me for some odd reason i i don't know what it is like i can't even explain it and be like oh it's that this it's just she's not a wrestler that when like I see her wrestle that I get really that I'm like, Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah. To see this person. It's like, I recognize that she's a good wrestler, but she just doesn't excite me. Um, I mean, this match I think also was helped that I thought, Oh, maybe hyper Masao could win. Um, the match. She obviously didn't. Um, it's just a weird, we're still in a weird I don't understand the title. I mean, yeah. I guess I do understand the title, but I think I don't want to understand the title because I understand that it's like, ah, the title is essentially four people who can like rotate between having the title. Like they announced for the Cyber Fight Festival, it's Shoko against Yuka Sakazaki. And it's like, oh, that will probably be a good match, but also it's the same group it's like Miyu, Shoko, Yuka uh you know Rika had it but I'm like when are when is anyone else like it's the Cyber Fight Festival you have like 50 matches on the show however many matches you have why not do Shoko against I don't know like Mizuki or something I don't know what the plan is and I can't tell what the plan is beyond like Here's people we think are the top of our company, and these are the only people that are ever gonna hold the title. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't like. I feel like at this point we can't even make predictions on who's ever gonna win these matches anymore. <laughs> it's like you just sort of wait. I'm like Yuka could win the title. I guess yeah, she's uh, won it before, so she can win it again. Yeah. Um, but it's still one of those. Th- but I thought the whole time Miu was holding the belt to lose it to someone to elevate them, and then that turned out to be entirely untrue. So, yeah, just a weird, just weird. Uh, but anyway, that was Yes Wonderland twenty two from Korokan Hall. Tokyo Joshi two days later, on May fifth, had a show. Go go do it. 
at Edian Osaka Arena number two in front of 348 fans. Kelly, you watched this show, so tell us what were your thoughts all about this show? Uh, overall, it was a fun show. Nice, pretty quick watch. Uh, the opener had Yuki Aino defeating Haruna Neko. Uh, I think Aino is kind of dull, and this didn't change my mind at all. I went two stars on it. Uh, the second match was an Osaka Ultra Quiz. Hyper Masao defeating Kaya Toribami. So the match had... It was uh, two count falls. And when you got the fall, you were then asked a trivia question about Osaka. And then that's where my understanding of the rules kind of falls away. I think it was whoever got three questions right first won. Well, according to the cage match, Hyper Masao won two to one. So it may have been best of three, maybe. Okay. Because, yeah, it was when they would get them wrong was when it kind of threw me. And I was like, I'm not sure what's happening now. But uh, Toribami looked really good here. This this was a lot of fun. But I, again, it was one of those where it's like the language barrier kind of made it a drag. Like it's like those we would talk every now and then about like ice ribbon matches where I'll just message you and be like, I have no idea what's happening anymore. There's there's too much nonsense and it's all in a language I don't understand. <laughs> so it was one of those. But uh, I, I thought this was fun for the most part. A classic DDT match before they had English commentary. Yes. Where like on the Cork and Hall shows, it would be like the third match and you'd be like, something funny is happening. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but everyone's laughing and having a good time. <laughs> That's exactly what this was. Uh, the third match, uh, Free Wi-Fi defeated Pam Harajuku and Raku. Uh, that was a really good, just high energy match. I went three stars on it. Uh, then there was Yuna Manase defeated Mahiro, Mahiro Kiryu. Uh, I have no notes on this match. Oh, wait. I do have notes. So I just realized Cage Match swapped the matches happening, and I had them right in my notes. So Manase versus Kiryu happened before the free Wi-Fi match. I was very confused by that when I was going through and watching the show because I always have Cage Match as the card open just so I can keep track of things. And like that match was supposed to be starting, and all of a sudden here comes Yuna Manasa. I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" Okay, so that match, uh, nothing really happened. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't great. Uh, two and a half stars. If Kiri is not tagging with Camille, I really don't care. Uh, the next match was actually really good. This was a uh, Camille teaming with uh, Saki Akai to defeat Miyu Watanabe and Miyu Yamashita. Uh, those are two really cool teams, and if you're going to watch anything from this show, make it this match. Uh, big step up in quality from everything else on the show. Really good chemistry with both of the teams. Uh, Kamiyo and Saki should really go after the tag belts. They are a very good team together. Uh, I went three and three quarter stars on this. Definitely worth the time. Uh, and then in your main event, it was a... Uh, Eight-person tag, best two out of three falls match, uh, where it was Maki Ito, Mizuki, Shoko Nakajima, and Rika Tatsumi taking on Yuki Arai, uh, Arisa Endo, Suzume, and Moko Miyamoto. Uh, Really, just completely unhinged behavior from Rika Tatsumi in this match. Just being real weird and doing her absolute best to piss off Maki Ito. And, like, to the point where Maki was about to lock in the Boston Crab and Rika was demanding to be tagged in for some reason. 
until Ido made her say that she was the cutest in the world, and then she had allowed her to tag in. Uh, Rika tapped out Endo for the first fall, and then Nakajima beat Arai with the Senton for the second fall. Uh, I kind of expected the younger generation to get at least one fall here, but they didn't. Uh, either way, good main event, three and a half stars, fun little show. Also happening in Tokyo Joshi, this was a show that we didn't get to that happened uh, today on the day we're recording, May 15th. Uh, the, Tokyo Joshi had a show, Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima challenged the Magical Sugar Rabbits for the tag titles. That match will happen on the June 19th Corican Hall show, which is one week after the Cyber Fight Festival. They also talked about me, Mashita, and Ido going to America at the end of the month. Uh, Ido will be defending her international princess title against Mia Yim in Prestige Wrestling. That night, Mia Yamashita will be wrestling Masha Slamovich. That should be good. And then the following night in Prestige, Yamashita and Ido will be facing off against each other. And the final thing announced on that show is Riho. Um, not that Riho, but... Uh, Pro Wrestling Eve's Riho. I think that's how you say that, right, Kelly? I don't know. It's R- Riho? R- I, I don't know. I have no, I've never heard her name actually said out loud. <laughs> I will admit I don't watch Pro Wrestling Eve. I've only heard of this person. Uh, I mainly you. heard of them when people talk about them, and I think, oh, they've misspelled the word Riho. Yeah, uh, every time <laughs> I see her name, I'm confused. Uh, Riho? I don't know. R-H-I... Rahayo? Maybe. You can't just go around calling yourself Riho and switching the name of it. Like <laughs> That's not how wrestling works. But it could be like Rahayo because it would be like Ohio with an R. But Yeah, maybe. Is that a British thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand anything about that country, so I'm the wrong person to ask. Anyway, she will be joining uh, Tokyo Joshi on May 29th. I believe she's the first uh, foreign wrestler in... Tokyo Joshi in something like two and a half years, uh, which is crazy yeah. <laughs> to think about. Uh, but good to see that they're getting people in. Uh, wrestler I haven't seen, so I'll get some uh, exposure to a new wrestler. I hope she's very good. Yeah. So that is all for Tokyo Joshi. But next we have Stardom. Stardom's big show on May 5th was the Fukuoka Goddess Festival from the Fukuoka International Center in front of 1,156 fans. Kelly, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts were on the show overall. To be honest, I don't have many thoughts on this show. It kind of just like went into my head and went right back out for the most part. Uh, I totally agree. I thought that this show was fairly, um, I don't want to say boring, but it just sort of ended and I was like, uh, I don't really feel anything. I feel yeah. nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's a show that sort of I was looking at it, you know, it drew 1100 almost, you know, be generous and say 1200 fans. It feels like a show that would have probably been a lot better to me in Corican. Yes. Where you're like, you probably could draw 1200 people to Corican. You certainly could with this card. 
And it's one of those things where I think it would help make Corkin better, but also not like this just felt sort of like, oh, we got to have another big show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we going to put on the show? Oh, I don't know. We'll put the, you know, this wonder of stardom title match and a tag title match and, you know, whatever. Um, it just felt sort of like an obligatory big show as opposed to like, yeah, we're building up to something and this is going to be a really big thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. The pre-show saw Hina defeat Wakasukiyama in six minutes and 25 seconds. My one note on this match was imagine signing to stardom and being the biggest geek of all time. Uh, yeah. Like imagine being Waka being like, yes, stardom wants me. They've signed me. Oh, look at, uh, you know, Micah and Himika and Julia and Mirai, all these people they signed and they immediately, you know, Unagi Sayaka doing huge things. And you sign and they're like, the thing that's going to happen to you is that you are going to be a giant loser. Yeah. I, I honestly feel bad for her. Like my note for this match, it just says Waka loses again. History marches on. (laughs) And it's one of those things where, I guess people, some people may be invested in the story, but I don't even really feel all that invested in like, ah, this could be it. She could win. You know, there was no, always, I don't think we're there yet at all. I like Cause I don't feel like it's a story. I, she's just the bottom rung. Like that's how this goes. Like I, it, she definitely doesn't have like the Hanma thing where everyone really, really wants them to get the win. Like it's just, it's, yeah, that's what I was going to compare it to. I was going to say with Hanma, you were like, Oh, he's got to win. Oh, and you're like, he's going to do it. And you were always hoping with this. I'm just sort of like, okay, walk is in this match. She's losing. Yeah. Like there was, we'll talk about this in a, uh, in a little while talking about new blood, but like she comes out at one point in the show and it looks like she's going to make a challenge to Suzu Suzuki. And you could audibly hear people in the crowd laugh. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I have said in the past they needed to sign people who could lose matches. I don't know that I've met like this. No. I also think that you've now created a person who has no value in beating them. 100%, yeah. It's like, wow, you beat this person. Wow, great, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, Waka, here on Jumping Bomb Audio, we are pulling for you to win a match. Yeah. <laughs> or do something. Uh, the first official match of the show was a six, six, not six man. That's what cage match calls it. A six woman tag team match between the stars team of Hanan, Momokogo and Saida, who defeated the Oedo Tai trio of Rina, Ruaka and Saki Kashima in eight minutes and 43 seconds. I really liked this stars sort of undercard trio. Um, I like Hannon. I like Momokogo and I love Saida. So I'm like, Ooh, I'd like to see them more. I think they're a good team. I thought this match was fine. Um, but I really like that stars trio. I feel like everyone makes fun of stars. Like they're the uncool group in stardom. Like people are like, Oh, Donna Del Mundo. And you know, now God's eye and, uh, Oedo Tai and it's like stars. Look at those geeks over there. And I'm like, but they're like nice people who 
I think are good wrestlers. Yeah. I feel like I don't know, I feel like Cosmic Angel is slowly sliding more and more into the geek role. Well, I also feel like they're sort of strat, you know. I, I I don't know. There are also not that many of them. No, that's true. They're like this tiny unit. They had May Sakurai, uh, who they now don't have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I always hear like, oh, stars, this unit, they're terrible. I'm like, this is a good, like for an undercard team, like to trot out Hanan, Momokogo, and Saeeda, it's better than the, like this group of Oedo Tai geeks. Oh, God, yeah. Like Ruaka. Rina, I think, is fine. Saki Kashima, you know. But I'm like, I'm not complaining about having this group of stars. People, and you got Mayu in the group, and you have um, Hazuki, and, Hazuki Koguma. and Koguma. So I'm like, it's a good team. I'm a stars defender. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's all I have to say about the match. Yeah, no, I thought this match was fine. Uh, I like that Hanan got the pin, so we got to hear her banger music. The next match was another six-person tag team match. The Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa, Tom Nakino, and Unagi Saika defeated the Queen's Quest trio of Azumi, Lady C, and Utami in 10 minutes and 3 seconds. I have to say, Cosmic Angels coming out in the Liger mat in the Liger mask, I thought it was a haunting image. Yeah, I don't know why. It was like I, I Tom's head looks real weird in the mask. It's something where I'm like, it doesn't look weird on Liger himself, but maybe I'm just used to seeing it. But they all came out and I was like, ooh, this is like sort of spooky. Yeah, no, it was it was odd. <laughs> I did like adding the sort of hashtag our victory for Liger to this largely meaningless match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that Lady C could pull out the victory at some point, but I was fooling myself because she didn't. And it's so funny because I think Lady C is very good. She's sort of in that interesting position that a lot of stardom rookies have been in where I'm like, oh, this person is very interesting. And in years past, they'd sort of slowly build up the card. But now we're in a place where I'm like, who does Lady C beat in this company? Besides Waka. <laughs> yeah, besides Waka and like Rina and Hina. <laughs> but I'm like, they won't even let like 50% of the roster lose. Yeah. So who are they going to let lose to someone who's clearly below them? I don't know. It's just sort of like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Um, but I'm a lady C fan and I hope she starts winning. Cause I think she's talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the overall, I thought the match was solid, but fairly unremarkable for the most part. The next match was our first title match of the evening for the SWA Undisputed World Women's Title. The champion Tekla losing the title, defeated by Mayu Iwatani in 17 minutes and 26 seconds. I thought the most interesting thing about this match was that the title changed hands and the idea that maybe Mayu... uh, Defends it outside of stardom. Yeah, no, I've seen people speculating that she could be the Joker in the uh, women's tournament in AEW, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I have no info on that, but who knows? Maybe. 
I mean, she could appear. There was all there's been all this rumor about uh, stardom involvement with Forbidden Door, and I think Mayu's sort of the person that uh, stardom now is okay with sort of being like, yeah, you can go. We have the people. The SWA title really is not a super, you know, it's not a meaningless title, but it's not a super meaningful title mm-hmm. in the large, you know span of the company and the fact that now you sort of have to have Japanese people win. And if you keep up with the gimmick of the title, you almost can't keep the title in the company at this point. Yeah. Now I don't know if, you know, Tokyo Joshi's now getting foreigners back in the company. Maybe stardom starts doing that soon. Uh, but for now it would seem, this would seem like an admission that Mayu has to leave. She doesn't have that many people to defend it against in the company. And a little bit more fuel to the potential AEW fire, we did see Rossi kind of finally acknowledge the company with talking about how great the match between Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm was. Yes, he did admit the match in which two people, which he had signed to start him, had a good match. Yep. I'm like a low bar, like pat yourself on the back there. Like, hey, these two people who were in my company had a really good match. I'm like, okay. Uh it's like, good job, Tony Khan. I brought you these cool butts. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, so we will see. But other than that, I thought the match was really nothing. Largely. I liked it. I, I oh, thought it okay. was the most interesting thing about it to me was that Thekla never felt like the underdog. And against Mayu, that's really impressive. Uh, this felt like a really important match for her, which was which was cool. Um, and I thought they both worked really snug throughout. Uh, so overall, I liked it a lot. I went three and three quarters on it. All right. Well, there you go. Some difference in opinion there. The next match was an eight-person tag elimination match between the God's Eye team of Amy Sore, Mirai, Suri, and Konami defeating the Donna Del Mundo team of Julia, Himika, Mai Sakurai, and Natsupoi in 26 minutes and 32 seconds. I refuse to believe this wasn't like an hour and a half long. <laughs> I have a lot of varied notes on this. Uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, I watch, we watch so many things that I'm like, gosh, this feels like I watched this like, a long time ago. Like, you can't tell me that the final stretch between my Sakurai and Mirai wasn't at least 20 minutes on its own. My final note on this match is, why did my last so long? <laughs> Which, like, my <laughs> Sakurai is just, well, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Like, just, there's no redeeming qualities for her as a wrestler. <laughs> She's fine, but like, there's nothing distinct about her. I don't, I don't get it. Um, I was annoyed because I thought Himika looked like a star and I feel like she's sort of pegged into not a star position in this company. So I wrote Himika as a star. I'm annoyed. Yeah. Uh, I thought the Siri Konami stuff was cool. I thought they had some fun elimination stuff. I thought Konami was made to look like a, an idiot when Julia laid that towel down blatantly in front of her and then Konami like slipped on it like a banana peel, uh, which I was like, why? She looks so stupid. 
<laughs> doing yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was not great. But I thought it was fun, and I think I agreed with you, and that it probably went too long. But I think they had a lot of time to fill because it wasn't really that long of a show. <laughs> um, yeah, that's our thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was. This was this was the point over all of these shows where I was like, oh. God, please let this end. I have so many other things to watch. I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> well, you still had two matches to get through. The semi-main event was the Goddesses of Stardom title match. The team of Hazuki and Koguma winning back their titles from the Oedo Tai champion team of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid in 22 minutes and 19 seconds. Kelly, I know you enjoyed this match, though, so I'll let you go first. I did. I like this one a lot. This was really good. Uh, and you know how you knew instantly Hazuki and Koguma were going to win? They got matching gear finally. They're, they're, they're like, they went to the store, they got new gear, and that gave them the power to win. So I was very happy for them. Uh, really good match. I think these two teams have incredible chemistry. If they keep just running back this match for a little while, I wouldn't be too upset. Uh, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought it was very good. My favorite match of the night for sure. I sort of recognized it was good, but it never like my brain was just sort of like wouldn't totally connect with it. So I was sort of like, oh, this is good. I and that's really all that I thought about it. (laughs) Um, This was the match mostly where I was like, ah, this would probably have been like in a smaller building, like in Corican, where maybe some people try and sneak in some cheers. I'm like, this probably would have felt like really big. Yeah. In a Corican, as opposed to like sort of swallowed up by this big building with not as, you know, sort of like in a big building with the same people in it, you could get a smaller building with the same amount of people and it probably feel like a hotter match to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Really, the top of the show, I didn't have. I really didn't have a lot of thoughts, and this was the most where I was like, "This is another big show," and my mind is turning off. Because <laughs> the the main event was the Wonder of Stardom title match: Saya Kamatani retaining her title, defeating Micah in twenty four minutes and fifty eight seconds. My only note on the match was, "This is every Stardom main event." Yeah, I really felt like. There is no greater example of Saya overkill than doing two big apron bu- apron bumps right in a row. I I just feel like there's such a pattern, and then it was sort of these two people. Like I like Micah, I think that she's good, but I think that she most easily falls into these sort of tropes of like big matches, where I'm like, I could probably say to you right now. <laughs> Or I could have said before the match, I'd be like, they start out, they do some grappling. Then they end up on the floor. They hit some big moves on the floor. They roll back in the ring. They do some stuff. They go to the apron. Someone hits a big move on the apron. Okay, they roll around some more. They get back in the ring. They do a forearm exchange. Forearm, forearm, forearm. (laughs) Then they start, oh, we're going to hit some moves from it. Like, it just feels like a lot of these matches are... The same beats. Yes. 100%. To me. Where I'm it's, like, they always go to the floor. They always do big moves on the ring apron. They always do forearm exchanges in sort of like the second half of the match. 
that take a lot of time. They're playing they, the hits. Yeah. And I, I was just sort of like, I, this is, it's not hooking me. Yeah. I, I, I've, you're now actively working against yourselves. Cause like, I'm really excited. This is looking a little bit ahead. I'm excited for Suri, Risa, Sarah, because I'm like, that could be a totally different match. Yes. Then we see from a lot of these things where it's like everyone, I feel like looks at the other matches that people are doing and they're like, I have to do that match in a big spot. I finally realized what my major, like my big, big problem with Saya matches is. She reminds me of Dolph Ziggler where you never feel like they're wrestling to win the match. They're wrestling to have a good match. Like she's, She's wrestling to get the five star match in Fire Pro, not to win. So like I it's I never get that feeling that she's out to win. It's just let's do the best match we possibly can and give these people a show. And I'm like, I don't that's not what I want. <laughs> like I I don't want to be I, I want a good show, of course, but I also want to buy in and believe that this is a real thing that's happening. And I just never do with Saya matches. And it's not like she isn't talented. She's very talented. I just think she's very bad at laying out her matches and I think could use help from someone. I don't like I was thinking honestly, I was thinking about this during the um the New Blood show. Is that she and uh uh Owie, that's how you say her name, right? They have very like they're from the same background, essentially, right? Because Saya came from like the dancing scene, essentially, like her, right? Yes. And I, yeah, and I feel like Aoi has a much like more rounded game than Saya does. Like Saya's very good at some things; she's very bad at others. Like I don't know if maybe Saya needs to go see Taka for a while or something. Just like get some other trainer's influence in there or something. I would just kill for a main event that has been that has some story that is more than like three weeks old. Yes. And that isn't defined by, hey, we had a press conference and one person said a wacky thing to the other person. Or like Hey, one show ago, I came out and I said, I want to, ch-, you know, I'm like, I want a match with a big story that I'm like, you know, like a Julia Tom, you know, that big match. I'm like, that had some stakes beyond, okay, who's the challenger of the month? Who's a challenge at this point? Who's a challenger of the, you know, every few weeks? Yeah. At this point, I just need something more than. Hey, we're just going to go out there, put on this match that we do. I'm like, what are the stakes? And again, it's, you know, sometimes I say this and people are like, well, but you don't understand. Like in the press conference, she said this to the, and I'm like, just because a week ago she said something in a press conference, like that is not getting me hooked. Yeah. Like I want a story of, like I said, the Starlight Kid was stuff was really well done because you had some previous backstory. It wasn't just like Starlight Kid is a is bad now and that's the way it is. It's like I just need something more, especially from these smaller, quote unquote, smaller big shows, where I yeah. 
where, like I said, I feel like they're put on under obligation rather than a need to be like, hey, we've got these matches and we need to put them on in a big spot. It's sort of like you book the big spot first and then you back into, oh, well, here's sort of a big match. Yeah, they need to figure out a way to do storytelling in matches rather than everything outside of the matches. Well, and so much of the storytelling feels like the wrestlers are told what the matches are going to be. And then through these press conferences or Twitter or whatever it is, they're like, okay, let's do some work to justify this. Yeah. It never feels justified by what's going on in the company. It feels justified by like people outside. Like the easiest way to define it would be um, not to go into being ultra nerdy, but like star Wars. And then there's like the star Wars extended universe. If like everything that happened in the movies, you were like, why did that happen? And you're like, Oh, but you don't understand. It's because in this book that came out six months ago or like a week ago, person a said this to person B you're like, but that's weird. I should be able to sort of get it from just like a person should be able to understand what's going on simply by watching the shows is my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I mean, through... they do do, they do the, the pre-match packages, but they're all the same of two people sitting there on a press conference while Rossi falls asleep. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was the first stardom show we watched. Uh, the second stardom show we watched was stardom new blood two from May 13th at new pier hall in front of 338 fans. The, the first thing I will say, um, I did see some discussion after the 338 came out that people were like, well, this is a failure and they probably should stop doing these new blood things. I think I would vouch for, I hope they keep doing these. Yes. And I think sometimes you do things like this. And if you draw 350 people, I don't know how much it costs to rent new Pier Hall. I have no idea. But do things that just because it doesn't draw doesn't mean it's absolutely useless. Yeah, wrestling developmental more often than not operates at a loss. And that's kind of the way it should be just because you you're developing people. They don't need to be in these big huge shows that are drawing crazy amounts of fans like ultimately that's what kind of drove nxt into irrelevance where it was just like it's not developmental anymore and then what's the point and like this new blood essentially that's what this is it's they're kind of getting the young wrestlers and getting a look at people who they might be interested in signing and so if you're gonna do that if you don't draw big crowds that's not the worst thing in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, but my thoughts on the show were I thought it was, I actually don't really have that many thoughts, but I thought it was a fun, another fun New Blood show. I don't think it was as good as the first one, but that would be a hard, you know, it's the first one. I thought that they worked really hard, but I thought it was a, you know, a perfectly fun show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, overall pretty good. So the first match was Yuna Mizumori defeating Lady C in seven minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, I thought this was a fun match. And again, I wrote, I hope Lady C gets an opportunity in stardom to do more. Yeah. Uh, Yuna just looking truly insane with her entrance gear. And the ref <laughs> demanding she take it off and, and Yuna insisting it was part of her. Yes. And that she could not take it off. <laughs> uh, I like this match a lot. I thought it was a really fun opener. Uh, I... I saw Lady C talking about not being able to wrestle in Ichigaya because she's too tall. I hope they end up doing something with that. <laughs> the next match was a tag team match between the Just Tap Out team of Aoi and Tomoka Inaba, who went to a time limit draw, the classic stardom time limit draw, with Hanan and Hina in 15 minutes. I thought this was another good match. I thought they had some good sort of... Gra- I thought Hanan and Hina sort of leaned into the just tap out style, which I thought was cool. Um, An interesting time limit draw. The only uh, outside wrestlers, quote unquote, to get a time limit draw. uh, Because only, 
I think none of the other ones even lost, which is correct. Um, so an interesting result to me, but I thought it was another solid match. Yeah, I like this a lot. I didn't mind the draw here because it set up future matches. Uh, I really enjoyed the sequences between Anaba and Hanan. And uh, yeah, this was, I think this was my favorite match of the show. Yeah, I went three and three quarters on this one. I thought it was really good. The next match was a tag team match between God's Eye, Amy Sore, and Mirai, defeating Momoka Hanazono and Wakasukiyama. The outcome here, never in doubt, in 13 minutes. I thought Momoko Hanazono was the highlight of the match. Yeah. Uh, even, of course, even, Waka takes the fall. Yes. Even when Momoko was not in the ring, the camera was focused on her. Yeah. Uh, which really tells you that she was the highlight of this match. The next match, a tag team match. Rina Amakura and Yuko Sakurai defeating the stars team of Momo Kogo and Saya Ida in 11 minutes and three seconds. Uh, still a big Saya Ida fan. I thought she looked good here. I thought, not to sound like a broken record, another fun match. Yeah, no, this was good. Uh, thought it was good, hard-hitting action overall, and the colors team came off really well. The next match was a singles match between Suzu Suzuki defeating Mei Sakurai in 12 minutes and 58 seconds. Felt more like a story match than an actual match with Suzu staring down Julia. And then after the match, Risa Sarah attacking Shuri um, after this match. But I thought this was fine. Kelly, I'm sorted with you. Mei Sakurai doesn't do much for me. I thought she was mostly here as sort of a stand-in defense between Suzu and Julia. Uh, so at the end of the day, I was sort of like, this was fine. Yeah, I went two and a half on it. It was whatever. Uh, the match itself was completely overshadowed by the post-match with Risa Sarah killing Siri with that air raid crash off the apron to the floor. <laughs> And the main event was a six-person tag team match. The team of Mina Shirakawa, Shirakawa, Unagi Saika, and Haruka Umasaki defeating the Oedo Tai team of Rina, Ruaka, and Starlight Kid. I thought that the Cosmic Angels Haruka Umasaki team was really fun. I thought Haruka Umasaki looked really good. I think she's very good. Another person who we were talking about that AEW tournament, she, if they did another one, would love to see her in it. Yeah. Uh, I think she's very good, and I thought a solid main event to end a, you know, solid show. Yeah, no, decent main event. Uh, I really enjoyed the sequences between Starlight Kid and uh, Haruka Umasaki, for sure. Also happening in Stardom, Stardom had shows, uh, sort of house shows on May 3rd, 4th, 7th, and 8th, and then they had a Corican Hall show on May 15th. Utami defeating Azumi in that five-way match to become the official leader of Queen's Quest, sort of the chalk pick there uh, for Utami to become the leader. They also announced the participants of the five-star Grand Prix. There are going to be 26 of them. Mayu Iwatani, Kogama, Hazuki, Hanan, Azumi, Utami, Saikamatani, Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Julia, Mika, Himika, Natsupoi, Tekla, Tom Nakino, Mina Shirakawa, Unagi Saika, Shuri, Mirai, Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, 
one special participant to be named at a later time, and the final three spots will be determined with a mini league tournament that will start and end in the month of June, featuring pretty much all the names. If you didn't hear their name and they wrestle in stardom, uh, they will be in that mini league tournament. So we're talking Miyuamasaki, we're talking, um, you know, Lady C, all those people. Uh, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm slightly worried about doing a league tournament in the month leading up to another league tournament. Yeah. Uh, not, I, I don't know how really hyped I am for that, considering that um, I do enjoy the five-star, but usually by the end of the five-star Grand Prix, I'm totally wiped out. And now we're adding an entire another month of matches, but we'll see. I think it's very exciting to get the two prominence members in there with uh, Risa Sarah and Suzu Suzuki. Interested. I don't know this. I haven't looked it up. If Suzu and Risa are the first people ever to wrestle in both catch the wave and the five-star Grand Prix in a single year. Uh, I don't know that. If you do know that, shoot me a message because that would be interesting uh, to know. Will be interesting to see who the special participant is to be named later. Uh, but that is for future episodes. The next show that we watch, Kelly Watch Seedling from May 13th at Shinjuku Face in front of 220 fans. Kelly, tell us about that show. Uh, oh, the show was pretty good. I was really happy with it. Uh, pr- pretty much a, a quick, easy watch, too, which was really nice. Uh, the opener, Makoto defeated um, Misa Kagura. Uh, good opener. I don't really have many thoughts on it. I want three stars. Uh, the next match was a high-speed match where Riku Kawahara defeated Itsuki Aoki and Che Ozawa. Or o- Ozora? Ozora. There we go. Wow. I couldn't read that for a sec. My understanding of the high-speed rules, I don't really, like, I don't entirely understand what's going on at all. <laughs> at any given time and what the referee entirely does, but they're fun matches. Like, the, yeah, I, like I think is... there, you have to hit the rope before you make the pin, but they're sort of very loose. Yeah. Cause the, sometimes she would make the people like the stop pinning and get up and run the ropes twice and then go for the pin. But then like, if you do a roll up, that's perfectly fine. It's very confusing. Uh, <laughs> The next match was a tag team match with Amazon teaming with Rina Yamashita to defeat Asuka and Ayame Sasamura. Uh, This was my first time seeing Amazon. Uh, She impressed. Uh, This is another company bringing in a foreigner for the first time in a long time. Uh, Yeah, and I think Amazon is officially signed. Oh, wow. Okay. I think that was a thing she officially signed. She had been in the company... I don't remember what the last time she was, but she was sort of a regular visitor. Okay. In years past, I want to say. I don't remember when. Um, I don't remember. I want to say, I think I looked through a cage was. match. I want to say it was like 2019. Yeah, that sounds right. But she has been in, but I think they announced that she was like signed to the company. That's cool. Uh, I was surprised to see Asuka take the fall until I realized, oh, wait a minute. This sets up a tag title match. So yeah, uh, good match. I went three and a half stars on it. 
the semi-main was a six-woman tag match with Ryo Mizunami, Yoshiko, and Yu defeating Dash Chisako, Hiryo Matsumoto, and Miyuki Takase. Uh, this was pretty much non-stop action from bell to bell. I uh, really enjoyed the exchanges between Yoshiko and Dash. Uh, I went three and three quarters on that one. And then in your main event, uh, Arisa Nakajima successfully defended the Beyond the Sea title against Riko Kaiju. This match was great. Uh, I really liked Nakajima's like emotional arc throughout the match of starting off not taking Riko seriously at all and then getting mad that this little girl is actually like taking it to her and then finally kind of overcoming that anger and deciding, you know what, I just need to put her away. And Rico fought so hard throughout this whole match, fought super hard to the very end. But like, you know, this is the biggest match of her career. And to Nakajima, it's just another Friday. So yeah, this was really worth checking out. I loved the story here. Uh, I went four and three, four and a quarter. Sorry, not four and three quarters. That's that's really high. Uh, But very good match. Definitely worth making some time for. The next show I watched was the Oz Academy show on May 8th from Shinjuku Face in front of 269 fans. Started off with a singles match, Tsubasa Kuragaki defeating Itsuki Aoki in 13 minutes and 29 seconds. I thought it was a fine opening match. Um, Aoki was sort of the... um, what do I? Want? I don't want to say flavor of the month. That's sort of more derogatory than I want to be. But she was seemingly <laughs> like everywhere for a whole year, and it, that seems to have sort of cooled down, which I find sort of interesting. And now I, I don't really know what I think about her because I've seen her so much that I'm like, am I just sort of mid on her because I'm like, oh, I've seen her in so many matches. I don't know, uh, but I thought the match was fine. The next match, the Beast Friend team of Aja Kong and Kaori Yoniyama defeating the Mission K4 team of Kakaru Sekiguchi and Sonoko Kado. Um, the biggest thing that happened for me during this match is I was eating food and I found a staple in my food. Oh, God. Uh, which was slightly concerning. I wasn't sure. It was food that I had made, which <laughs> means that it was probably my fault. Oh, no. That there was a staple in my food, but that was very concerning. But my my one note was, you know, Aja's back. She had the knee surgery. Um, is she moving better? I can't really tell. I don't know if it's like me hoping she's moving better and so sort of looking for positive things and removing the negative. It does seem like she's moving slightly better. You know, she is up there. In, you know, she is getting older. She has been wrestling for a very, very long time. So I think there's naturally a ceiling there. But, you know, it makes me hopeful for something like like we talked about, another Aja Kong Sheeta match, if that would happen. Um, you know, as long as she's healthier, that's the important thing. But I just sort of look and I haven't really figured it out yet. The next match was for the number one contendership of the Oz Academy Pioneer title, which is their three-way title. So the first of two number one contenders, Akino defeating Yumi Oka and Yu. I just have to say, we don't really talk about her that much on the show. I feel like not a lot of people talk about her in general. 
I think Yumi Oka is great. I think she's one of the most underrated wrestlers around in the Joshi scene, uh, has been very consistent for years. So I just had to give her a shout out during this match. I thought she was good. And I think she's always good. And then the main event was a two out of three falls, six person tag team match between the Ozaki Goon team of Maya Yukihi, Mayumi Ozaki, and Sierra No, who defeated the team of Hiroya Matsumoto, Rina Yamashita, and Hikaru Shida. I thought this match was great. If you like the Oz Academy main event style, this is a good match for you. If you don't like it, give it a skip. Um, just a high energy, chaotic, you know, you know what you're getting into and they deliver exactly what you expect. I thought having Shida in there, having Shida back was great. Some really fun stuff. Osaki throwing a chain around, hitting people in the hand with it. Um, a lot of great power moves. There was a triple power move from Shida, Matsumoto, and Yamashita at one point that was super fun. But this is just sort of my people running in and out of the ring, fast-paced, in and out, just sort of exactly my style match. I went four, four stars. I thought it was very good. And like I said, if you like the Oz Academy style, certainly one to check out. It was super fun having Shida in there for a little bit of a you know, change of pace. Uh, back in Oz. So a uh, very good show, an easy show. As I said, you know, only four matches on the entire show. So a very quick watch with a good, uh, fun main event. I also watched the Catch the Wave opening round show for Pro Wrestling Wave, which was at Corican Hall on May 5th in front of 400 and six fans. It started out with a tag team match, Hikaru Shida and Miyako Matsumoto defeating Sakura Hirota and Yuki Miyazaki in 105 minutes and 12 seconds. It was a match that lasted the entire show. Started, it was the first match. They ended up leaving the ring, traveling around Corican. I think they came back. Um, I think they came back twice before they came back for the final time and ended the match after the main event, uh, which was very funny because Nagisa Nosaki, who had won the main event, had given her sort of thank you for coming speech. She was leaving the ring and all of a sudden they appeared and Nosaki like made a dash to get out of there being like, what's going on? They had a point where they returned during one point. Oh, after Itsuki Aoki and Miyuki Takase, where they came back and, Akaru Shida did an eye poke to Yuki Miyazaki. That was like the longest eye poke I've ever seen. You know, usually when you see an eye poke in a wrestling match, it's like, doink, and then it's over. She like took her fingers and pressed them against her. I was like, is she trying to like pull her eyeballs out? Oh, God. Um, it was wild. There was, wa- there was water involved. Uh, Sakura Hirota at one point got an AEW chant going uh, <laughs> amongst the crowd. Um, the usual... Hirota doing her headstand on the turnbuckle with Matsumoto during her leg lift. I don't know what you want to call it, but that sort of weaved in and out of the whole show. The first sort of regular match was a five-way match between some of the participants of the Catch the Wave tournament that weren't wrestling in Catch the Wave matches on the show. Kiori Oniyama defeating Hanako Nakamori, Haruka Umasaki, Risa Sara, and Yu. Uh, in that one, the first catch the wave 
match was in the future block. Rico Kawahata defeating Chie Ozora in 9 minutes and 39 seconds. I thought this was a really strong match, a really good kickoff to the tournament. I thought Chie had a lot of really interesting offense, which is good. This is going to seem like an absolutely backhanded compliment that I'm about to say. She has a lot of interesting offense, which is good for someone who I don't really consider all that charismatic. Um, I can see that, yeah. Like, when you're someone who has a lot of charisma, sometimes you can get away with sort of doing moves that everyone else is doing. But when you don't have that, like, Suzu Suzuki has, like, a natural, like, you're drawn to her. You're like, ooh, wow, who is this person? Like, Chie doesn't have that, but she does really well in making an interesting, making her matches interesting. She had sort of the rope. Um, I don't know what you call It's like the Mascara Dorada. Um, when you like get up on one part of the rope and then you sort of spin to another part of the rope. I don't know what you call that. Um, I'm not good with uh, move names, but I thought yeah, it was I'm not interesting. Sure what that's called. Um, so I thought this was a really well worked, solid match. I went three and a half stars. I thought it had good back and forth. It had some good late pinfalls that were good. And I thought all the work was really solid. So I thought it was very good. The next match was also in the future block. Kohaku and Suzu Suzuki going to a time limit draw in 15 minutes. The two sort of big, I would say, the big hitters of the future block. It was another well-worked match. It got a little bit sloppy near the end. There were some things. Kohaku did some stuff in the ropes that didn't quite connect. Um, But overall, I thought it was very clear, I think, watching these two, that these are the two sort of, especially in the future block, are definitely big future stars, um, very good in the ring, and some good charisma. The next match was in the strong arm block match, where Itsuki Aoki defeated Miyuki Takase in seven minutes and nine seconds. It was the first match where I was like, wow, this was a really quick match. The first two matches, obviously the 15-minute time limit draw, I thought, oh, they're really giving them a lot of time on this show. This was the first match where I was like, whoa, that was over pretty fast. Uh, just over seven minutes, but another match I thought was pretty solid. The semi-main was in the hardcore block between Saki and Yumi Oka, with Saki winning in 12 minutes and 12 seconds. It was a th- it was a weird thing where I don't really consider either of these people hardcore wrestlers. I guess Yumi Oka has the history in Ozaki Goon, which is sort of hardcore, I would say. But I felt like it was sort of one of those goofy hardcore matches where I thought some of the hardcore stuff actually took away from their ability to have a more solid match. So I thought it was fine, but wasn't overly impressed. And then uh, the main event, Nagisa Nozaki defeating Hikari Shimizu in the first match of the kicking block. Um, And it was a pretty straightforward match. It was clear that Nozaki is as the champion. Uh, the Regina DeWave champion is going to be book strong in this tournament. And I thought she was book strong here, but a very solid show and a good start. I always love watching the catch the wave tournament. Um, have really loved it for years. So glad to see this opening show and looking forward to more of the shows coming up. The next show that both Kelly and I watched was the Gato move Gato move return show. On May 3rd from Itabashi Green Hall in front of 189 fans, the show started with a three-way tag team match. Antonio Honda and Trans Am Hiroshi defeating 
Chanchiryu and Sayuri and Hagane Shino and Toru Owashi. Kelly, what did you think of this match? I uh, didn't have many thoughts on this match. I thought it was fun. Uh, I'm always kind of just blown away looking at Trans Am Hiroshi, looking like an entirely different human than he used to. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was uh, a goofy match, which was pretty much what you probably expected if you saw the participants here. And I really like Trans Am Hiroshi, so big ups to Trans Am um, in this match. The second match, a singles match, Sayaka defeating Tokiko Kirihara in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. My only note for this match was the commentary was very muffled. Yeah, they eventually kind of figured out what was going with that. Because like, it sounded like they were recording from like ringside or something. It was very weird. But eventually, I think they uncovered whatever rag they had over the microphone or something. But yeah, the match was, I thought it was decent. Uh, solid showing from both women. The next match was a six-person tag team match. Kenoka, Saika Obihiro, and Yuna Mizumori defeating Chris Brooks, Masahiro Takanashi, and Shin Suzuki in 12 minutes and 38 seconds. Always love to hear bad communication. Shout out to that song. Yes. And I thought this had a really fun finishing sequence. Yeah. Uh, my only note on this one is it says Suzuki takes the fall as he should. The semi-main event was a singles match. Balianaki and Hikaru Sato going to a 15-minute time limit draw. My first question is, is Aki getting more jacked? Yes, he's definitely getting in better shape. Uh, I was very impressed by that. And other than that, I thought it was a really fun match. Yeah, I thought this was really good. Uh, Really hard fought, hard strikes. Uh, Really hope we get a rematch with a longer time limit. Because... the these two uh, have a really good chemistry. I like this a lot. I went three and three quarters on it. And the main event was a tag team match. Haruka Umasaki and Mei Suruga defeating Chie Koshikawa and Kaori Yoniyama in 19 minutes and 47 seconds. I thought this was a great match. thought it was really fast paced, which everyone knows I love. I thought it had a lot of good near falls. Had some weird timing things, but I thought it was a very strong main event and a very strong end to the show. Yeah, super fast-paced, pretty much action throughout the whole thing. Really strong closing stretch. Uh, I do love the fire that Chie shows, but sometimes she gets a little too excited and the chops she throws just do not connect at all. So she needs to watch out for that. But uh, other than that, really good main event. I went four stars on it. But that was not the only shows that Gato Move ran. Kelly, I know they ran some Choco Pro shows, so tell us about those shows. They sure did. Uh, so Choco Pro 225 on May 3rd in the main event, Chia Koshikawa and Yuna Mizumori uh, went to a time, time limit draw against Mesuruga and Antonio Honda. Uh, aside from the usual Honda nonsense, this was pretty good. Uh, Chie and May continued to brawl after the uh the bell and i i didn't realize it at the time because i watched shows out of order this kind of led into the match they had the next day at the gato move returns show but yeah like the and really good intensity from chie shown here so like this was it was a really cool closing angle i like that you you see them do it sometimes but not to this extent where it's like oh this this feels like there there's this is legitimately uncomfortable this is good (laughs) 
and then on the 8th, there was Chaco Pro 226. The main event featured Best Bros, uh, Mesuruga, and Balayanaki defeating Shin Suzuki and Tokiko Kirihara. Then on the 14th, there was Chaco Pro 227. The main event saw Yuna Mizumori and Sayaka defeating Chie and Mesuruga. Uh, Yuna and Sayaka are going by the name Tropical Violence, and that rules. Uh, so I'm hopefully hoping that team will get a tag title shot coming up against Best Bros. Uh, really good main event. I went three and a half stars. And then on the 15th, there was Chaka Pro 228, which all around was a really, really good show. And honestly, was one of my favorite Chaka Pro episodes in a while. Uh, the opener, Mesa defeated Tokiko Kirihara. This was probably my favorite singles performance from Kirihara. A uh, really fun match. They had good chemistry. Went three and a half on that one. Uh, then Chian Shiryu and Sayuri defeated Chie and Masahiro Takanashi. Uh, big win for Dragon Ninja. That's the team name for Shiryu and Sayuri. Uh, I really think they're doing some kind of losing streak story with Chie this season. So I'm look out for that. See how that plays out as the season proceeds. Uh, went three and a quarter on that one. And then in the main event, Balianaki defeated Swasti Common. Uh, really good main event, and a good reminder that Swasti Common kind of rules. I forgot how much I enjoyed him. Uh, three and three quarters on that one. Super watchable show. Nothing like amazing, but everything was really good at minimum. So definitely worth checking out. There were also some Joshi matches on non-Joshi shows. The first was. The Heat Up Corican Hall Show, I believe their second ever Corican Hall Show. I was, to uh, go off on a tangent, I was in attendance at Corican Hall for Heat Up's first ever Corican Hall Show. <laughs> they did a, um, they turned off all the lights at the beginning of the show and did a star field in Corican Hall. I'll always remember that. That's, That's one cool. of my big memories of that show and of that trip that I went on. But this, the second Korokin Hall show for Heat Up, Sora to Tayo to Hanare Kojima, uh, attended by around 650 fans. The second match on the card was a six-person tag team match. The uh, Chaco Pro team of Chie Koshikawa, Meisuruga, and Yuna Mizumori defeating the Colors team of Hikari Shimizu, Saki, and Yuko Sakurai in 10 minutes and 58 seconds. My one big thought on this show is Saki comes off like a huge star to me. Um, Something that probably a year or two years ago, if you said she's going to come off like a big star, I don't know that I would have agreed with you, but I think she comes off looking really major. The gear looks really good. She has a lot of confidence. I think that her breaking away, doing this color stuff uh, away from Actress Girls has been really good for her now in stardom doing the stuff in stardom so uh just had to give a shout out to saki even though she was on the losing team here uh still looked very good and i'm looking forward to seeing more of what colors does in the future kelly i know you watch some non-joshi joshi so tell us about those shows uh on gleet uh g pro wrestling version 24 from may 3rd Akane Fujita defeated Michiko Miyagi. 
once again, they have uh, Miyagi get beat by an outsider because I feel like the homegrown, or not even homegrown, but the home team for Gleet never wins, ever. Uh, and I'm kind of starting to come around to thinking that Miyagi isn't very good. Like, I, I don't know. She's fine, I guess. Uh, fine enough match. Two and a half stars on that one. Uh, and then Just Tap Out ran Takataichi Mania 2.5 on the 6th, which you can watch on New Japan World uh, for a fee, I believe. Uh, so Misa Kagura and Sumika Yamagawa defeat Rhythm and Yu Yamagata. And then you also had Tomoko Inaba and Aoi uh, defeat Suzu Suzuki and Akane Fujita. Uh, really good showing from the Just Tap Out team, and I'm really looking forward to the Suzu versus Inaba singles match they set up. I uh, went three and a half stars on that one. What else happened in the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling over the last two weeks? Sendai Girls had two shows. Those did not make tape. They are not up on their YouTube yet. But on May 6th, Miyuki Takase and Mika Iwata defeated Manami and Ryu Mizunami to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. They also had a show on May 7th. You will notice, sadly, we did not talk about Ice Ribbon's big Yokohama Budokan show on May 4th. Uh, That was in the plans. Unfortunately, their live show that they did, the sound mix is very bad. You cannot hear the in-ring sound. You can only hear the commentary. So did not watch that show, very sadly. I'm hoping it comes out in some other form soon, Samurai or um, being put on their YouTube in some manner. Because I did want to watch the show and I wanted to cover it. The story of Ice Ribbon on Jumping Bomb Audio. Yeah, pretty much. uh, Is that they also had shows on May 7th and May 14th. Diana had a show on May 3rd, Ayako Sato defeating Madeline to retain her Diana title. And they also had a show just recently on May 15th. Wave also had a show today on May 15th with three catch the wave matches. Pure and Pure J had a number of shows the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 15th of May on the 4th. Leon defeating you to retain the Pure J open weight title. So that is everything that has happened over the last two weeks of Joshi. What is happening coming up? Well, it's not as busy as it was the last two weeks. I'll tell you that, but there's still some things happening. Stardom has two house shows on May 21st and May 22nd. And then on the 28th stardom flashing champions, from Oda War Gymnasium. It will open up with a six-person tag match drawn by Lottery. Uh, the participants in that include Amy Soray, Lady C, Sai Eden, Momokogo, and some others. The next match will be Mina Shirakawa, Unagi Saika, and Wakasukiyama versus Suzu Suzuki, Akane Fujita, and the newly named Mochi Natsumi. Utami and Miyu Amasaki will take on Tom Nakino and the returning Kyrie. So Kyrie having a, another tag match here going up against the interesting team of Utami and Miyu. Uh, I think I could probably guess who takes the pin in that match. Definitely um, Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, but interesting 
certainly doesn't look to me as if Kyrie is going to be in a title picture or in any sort of focus um, at this point. But good to have her. I like seeing Kyrie wrestle and glad to have her in stardom. Next, the first of many title matches on the show, Hannon will defend her future of stardom title against Ruaka. Kelly is Ruaka, your favorite wrestler, the one to dethrone the record or near record reign of Hannon. I swear to God, if she ruins this reign, I'm going to be so mad. I think it might happen. It just seems like such a random match that I'm like, I guess it could. I hate it. Yeesh. Gonna be well, so angry. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. The next title match, Mayu Iwatani will take on Fukigen Death for the SWA title. Uh, don't think the outcome is in doubt here. Is is Fukigen Death like like is she a ghost or a clown? Is that uh, why she can wrestle? I Mayu I have title? not even heard, so I don't know why this match is <laughs> like, happening. Like, is that why? <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, clowns are their own. Thing. No, what's going to happen is Fukigen Death is going to win, and she's going to go to Forbidden Door. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. That sounds awesome. No, they could do Fukigen Death against Abaddon. Yeah, there you go. There you go. A match, a great match for Forbidden Door. Yep. Oh gosh, the clown against the what is she? A zombie? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> anyway. Uh, The next match, the recent loser of the SWA title, Tekla, will take on high-speed champion Azumi for that title. Uh, Another one, bit weird, the person who just lost her title getting another title shot. Um, Do you think Azumi retains her title here? Um, I think so. It's nice to see someone else in the division, though. It is. That is very true. Uh, And it should be a good match. The next match is for the Artists of Stardom title. The champions, Maika Himika and Natsupoi, will take on Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. I think Oedo Tai could come away from this as champions. Yeah, no, I think it's entirely possible. You know, yeah, because the Downtown Mundo team, they've had those belts for a while now, haven't they? They've had them for a while, and they also seem like now the least important titles in the entire company. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, no, I think I think you see a title change here. And, you know, Kid and Momo just lost the tag titles, so, you know, give them another title to yeah. have and carry around. The next match for the Goddess of Stardom titles, the champions, the new champions again, Koguma and Hazuki will take on the Donna Del Mundo team of julia and my sakurai julia's like yeah i want a team with this bag of socks let's go uh boy if julia and my sakurai win that will be i'm interested if if they win and ruaka wins i'm throwing my laptop out the window so you won't hear from kelly on the next episode it will be another episode with just me (laughs) Uh, the semi-main, probably the most interesting match in terms of what the result will be. The Wonder of Stardom title, the champion Saya Kamatani defending against 
the winner of the Cinderella tournament, Mirai. Kelly, do you think Mirai dethrones Kamatani? My gut tells me no. And you know what makes me say that? Was on that New Blood show, Mirai sure had a hell of a time trying to put away Waka. (laughs) And if you have that much trouble putting away Waka, I don't know if you can win a title. (laughs) I just... I don't know. I think Mirai has to win. Because it's like, what's the point if not? Yeah. No, I think she does. She probably does win. But I think, I don't know. I just Kelly, you just have to understand that everyone in this company is equal except for Waki Tsukiyama. Yeah. There, uh, was a, there was a bit in that New Blood match where Mirai sold the hell out of getting hit in the face with a plush flower. Like, what the fuck come on you're supposed to be this big bruiser don't be selling getting hit with plushes and the main event the match i am looking most forward to hell yeah the world of stardom title match the champion shuri defending against prominences prominences yeah uh risa sarah this match should be great yeah give risa the belt if we can't watch Ice Ribbon, we can watch Ice Ribbon wrestlers in stardom. Yeah, I, I, it's not going to happen. But give Risa the belt. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I agree. But an interesting, a lot of matches on this card. Um, but very, sta- I mean, this is a stacked card. Yeah, this is no, a this, this is a proper big show. This is yeah. This is probably the most exciting card they've put together in a while for me. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to this. What else is going on in the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling over the next two weeks? Oz has a show on May 22nd. Interesting match there. Aja Kong will take on Momoko Hanazono. That will be interesting to see. Tokyo Joshi has a show on May 29th. That will probably be the debut of Rio. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ice Ribbon has three shows, one on May 21st and two on May 28th. Wave, the Catch the Wave tournament will continue on May 18th. Hikari Shimizu versus Sai in the kicking block. Yuki Miyazaki versus Risa Sarah in the hardcore block. Two comical block matches. Hibiscus Me versus Miyako Matsumoto and Sakura Hirota versus Kaori Yoniyama. And then the main event will be Kohaku versus Chie Ozora in the future block. May 22nd, we'll see Yuki Miyazaki against Saki in the hardcore block. Hibiscus Me against Kaori Yoniyama in the comical block. And Itsuki Aoki against you in the strong arm block. And then another show on May 29th, Hanako Nakamori against Hikari Shimizu in the kicking block. And two future block matches, Haruka Umasaki against Chie Orzora. And the main event, Riko Kawahata against Kohaku. That looks like a good show. Kelly, what is coming up on Chaco Pro? All right, Chuckle Pro's got some shows coming up. On the 21st, you got Chuckle Pro 229. On the 22nd, you got Chuckle Pro 230. On the 26th, you have, I believe, in Shinjuku Face, uh, 
May Saruga's fourth anniversary show, headlined by May taking on Suzume from Tokyo Joshi. Uh, also on that show will be Che Koshikawa taking on Haruka Umasaki, and an Asia Dream tag title defense with CDK defending the titles against the Suicide Boys, uh, Mikami and Thamasak Toba. And then also on the 29th, there will be Choco Pro 231. Also coming up on May 20th will be the first Nomad show. Nomad's the freelance show filled with freelance Joshi wrestlers. That show, Tei Hanma against Momoko Hanazono, Kaori Yoniyama, Makoto, and Micah Ozaki versus Hikari Shimizu, Rina Amakura, and Yuko Sakurai. Kaho Kobayashi against Hiroya Matsumoto. Saki and Sayori Ano against Asuka and Yu. And the main event, Rina Yamashita and Maya Yuki against Miyuki Takase and Ryo Mizunami. Kelly, what match are you looking forward to most on that show? Uh, honestly, I think the Kaho Kobayashi versus Hiro Matsumoto match. That should be good, and especially because it's Kaho's return match. She hasn't wrestled in quite a little while, I think, now. It has been quite a long time. So we'll have lots to talk about next show. We'll talk about the Stardom show, hopefully some Catch the Wave, and hopefully that Nomads show as well. But that is everything for our Golden Week Spectacular. Kelly, I have to throw to you for the movie review of the week. All right. Uh, I saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, That's a Sam Raimi-ass Sam Raimi movie. So if you like Army of Darkness you'll probably like this. <laughs> it's a kind of fun Sam Raimi horror movie, but also in the Marvel universe. I watched for the first time this week, Godfather part three, and I would not recommend watching. it. <laughs> so there's my, there's my contribution. Unless you're big into um, movies about incest. Oh. Uh, in which case <laughs> you won't find much better. Those are popular uh, on the internet these days. <laughs> Anyway, that is the end of our episode. Kelly, anything else you want to say to the people before we sign off? Uh, no, I'm uh, in all honesty, I'm excited to watch less wrestling over the next two weeks. We watched a lot of wrestling this week so we could deliver this spectacular episode. My name is Taylor for Kelly. Thank you for joining us and we will see you again in two weeks.